Greetings, and welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. I'm Phyllis Hollis, your host. As an extension of my Instagram page, Cerebral Women, this podcast offers insights into the visual art world. I interview artists, mainly artists of color and female artists, who will freely articulate what inspires their creativity. In addition, you'll hear interesting perspectives from dedicated art professionals who work with artists and the art institutions that feature them. I'm confident that collectively, these individuals will indeed stimulate your mind as they do our eyes. Please know these interviews are conducted in my Manhattan apartment, so please forgive the background sounds of city life. Welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. In this episode, I feature photographer Tawny Chapman. Four years ago, she redirected her signature style of ethereal sunlit photography into mediums outside of just photography. Tawny is a self-taught artist who's been working in the field of photography for the past 16 years. Born in Tokyo, growing up as an army brat, she has had the unique opportunity to take in the cultures of three different continents, all before the age of 12. Her photographs are the first layer which she manipulates and unites with other photographic components, often lending to them the eyes of someone older and more wise and almost always exaggerating their hair. She then often adds overlappings of gold leaf, paint, digital collage, and illustration. In doing so, she produces a work that is more than just a work of photography, but a new compositional expression. She currently resides in Maryland with her husband and three children. Welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast and enjoy my touching conversation with Tawny Chapman. Tawny Chapman, it is a delight to feature you on my Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, yes. I love your work. Discovered your work at least about a couple of years ago. Um, so let's just dive into the conversation. When did you discover your artistic passion? So I feel that I have always been a creator my whole entire life or in the arts in some way or another. I was in dramatic arts. My aunt had a theater company and I was in her plays. I took classes at dinner theaters. I just anything you can think of. I always recreated my own clothing. I used to go to work with my mom and um, I'm probably dating myself here, but I used to, um, I I taught myself, uh, I think it was called Microsoft Paint. Um, I was probably 11 or so. And I would just want to go to work with her just so I can get on her computer and do uh, Microsoft Paint and print out my creations and create paper dolls and all kinds of things, collages, anything you can think of, um, stapled books that I, stapled papers that I made into books and just, um, I have always been into the arts and a creator my entire life. And did your mother encourage you when she saw you creating these things? She did. Um, Well, my mom is also, she will not say it herself, but she's an artist herself. She can do anything that you ask. Uh, If I asked her to make a dress right now, she could make it. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so she encouraged all of it. Uh, We would put on plays and just 
my mom, dad, aunts would just sit in the living room and watch me and my cousins put on plays for them. She encouraged all of this behavior. Yes, she did. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So you're self-taught. So I guess I that started at, at age 11, essentially. Yeah. 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 It's wonderful. I love your work. Thank you. So um, I know you were an army brat and you traveled a bit. Anywhere in your work, do you see where your memories are reflected or are your um, creations just based on your current life? So the more I create, the more I look back on past memories. So I can say there wasn't a time where I felt um, as a kid, oh, you know, I don't see myself on these walls. But looking back, um, living in Germany, our field trips were to castles. And um, I loved them. I loved the the feeling of being in them and uh, the decor. And looking back, you know, you see all of this art on the walls and, and we weren't there. So mm -hmm. I can't say that I had an aha moment as a child, but thinking back and, and wondering where certain triggers come from, you have to wonder if subconsciously these things do affect your art in the present. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And your, your work features children. I love your work. Um, can you comment on that? How did that come about? So um, there were a few things that uh, influenced me to create the work that I'm creating today. The children featured are usually my children, my nieces, nephews, godchildren, family members, children of my friends. Um, and one of the things that began to bother me as a mother was the experiences that I had going to museums with my children. I just began to notice that we weren't very present in the portrait museums that we were visiting, um, or, you know, you would just walk through and maybe after being in the museum for 20 to 30 minutes, you'll come across a face like yours or your family members. And so being a mother, I that started to really bother me. Um, I know the importance of representation and um, I know that the things that we see um, here, uh, the things we come across shape us to become who we are. Mm -hmm. um, and so I started to think about my children in that and started thinking of ways that I could contribute to that world and the world that I want them to grow up in, as opposed to just sitting with that and just accepting it and, and accepting it as it is. Did, did you sense, I mean, did you have these discussions with them while you were in the museums? I didn't. I, I didn't have this discussion with them. Um, I didn't want to implant that in them. If right. I felt it, um, you know, I felt they would say something to me, um, but I didn't want to just implant that where they would start noticing these things themselves. I am very honest with them um, about things that are happening in the world, but I didn't have a discussion and ask them, hey, did you notice that, you know, you didn't see anyone that looked like you today? So, so no, I didn't discuss that with them. Yeah, good for you. You don't want them to feel inferior. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Planting that at such an, an yeah. early an early age is yeah. so innocent. Do you recall if there were artists 
if there are artists that influence your work? I feel that I'm more influenced by the way an art uh, an artwork made me feel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's artists that could have created thousands of paintings, but one just gave me this feeling or brought about certain feelings within me that stuck with me. Um, Gustav Klimt, for example, I'm influenced by the way he adorned his figures, his, his subjects, the, his use of gold, the elongated form, and the way that his work during his golden phase made me feel. Mm. Um, and uh, Byzantine art, the meaning, uh, historically gold has been reserved for people of importance. Um, and so that meaning for me is more of an influence And so I'm taking that meaning and doing the same thing with my subjects, subjects that are important to me, my children, Black children. And the work is meant to, uh, Byzantine art is meant to, uh, they want the viewer to have a spiritual experience. And, And so I'm more influenced by the feelings, I'd say. And, and these are the things that, the feelings that I want to bring about within my work. You do a lovely job of it. Thank you. (laughs) You're very welcome. And I read that you spend a fair amount of time shopping for vintage fabrics, antiques. How does that contribute to your your practice overall? Yeah, so the fabrics, I just collect. I'm I'm drawn to it. I collect it. And um, sometimes I'll feel like it's a subconscious thing that happened where I'll pick this fabric and then I will go back to my vision board or my art board and and look at all of these different influences. And one of those fabrics was actually influenced by a garment that was in a painting that I had saved. And with the, the gold antique frames, I feel that it brings me joy repositioning our faces in these frames because we were not placed there. Um, When we go into museums, we don't see ourselves in these frames. And so often I will buy artwork. Uh, The artwork is in the frame still. And uh, there's this whole thing where I'm removing it and placing us inside of it. And um, that, that brings me that brings me joy. And I, I think those are the two. Is that what you meant? The the antique shopping with the frames and the... Yeah, well, you answered a question that I, I may or may not have asked during this interview, which was, what passion do you find in creating art? And you answered it, basically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, it's... Um, I mean, I'm fascinated by artists and what motivates you all to create what you do. But it's it's nice to hear that there's an emotional attachment to your practice overall. Yeah. From beginning to end. Yeah, most definitely. I yeah. It's a way, art, I think for most artists, for all of us probably, it's a way to get our messages out into the world. That That's the passion behind it too. Um, being able to say what you're trying to say without really speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I feel that I really started to become passionate about creating when I started to realize that uh, you can have 
conversations over and over and over with people and it can go in one ear and out the other. Um, but something like art, something that they can see, something that they can feel, something that maybe touches them, um, that's hard to forget and it sticks with them. Yeah, how has your practice changed over the years? So I started shooting because I gave up dramatic arts. I had gotten a small scholarship for Dramatic Arts Conservatory in Washington, D.C., and all of a sudden I just, I, I wasn't drawn to it anymore. And so at that point, <laughs> I had to figure something, you know, figure out something to do. Um, and so initially I turned to photography as a way to make money, as a way to earn a living. Um, and I bounced from genre to genre and just took jobs that were paying me. And after I had my son, I quickly turned my lens to photographing children. I was photographing him every day of his life, documenting, <laughs> the documenting, <first> board. <laughs> documenting all of his moments. And then maybe about after eight months of just being uh, just so overtaken by him and, and wanting to capture all of that, other people started asking me if I could do the same for them. And so I started uh, shooting families and children in that way. And one of those clients uh, hired me to shoot commercially for the YMCA. And so that's how I began shooting commercially. I shot for the YMCA until there's a cure, the National Center for Mis Missing and, and Exploited Children, uh, NEA, and establishments like that. Um, and in 2010, that's when my practice really changed. Um, my father was diagnosed with prostate cancer and him and I discussed that I would document his entire battle. Um, we thought this, uh, that we could use what I was documenting as inspiration for other men that were battling prostate cancer or to encourage other men to get their prostate checked sooner. But what I ended up photographing was prostate cancer taking my father's life. That was, <clears throat> that was really life-changing for me in, in all ways. Um, made me look at my camera differently and look at what I wanted to do with my life very differently. And it completely changed me as a person overall. Um, and so I started to wonder, you know, what, what am I doing? I had this list of commercial clients that I wanted to work for, but it wasn't making me happy. It wasn't seeing somebody so important to you lose their life. You realize that you won't be here forever. Your, your time is limited. And... <clears throat> that made me realize my time was also limited. And um, I didn't want to spend the rest of my life chasing after these jobs um, and just using my talent for monetary gain. And so I just began to focus on things that were important to me and things that I wanted to leave behind in the world. Focusing on children. Yeah. They're just uh, amazing little creatures. <laughs> and I can imagine it was very helpful uh, in helping you heal. I, I can't yeah. imagine your experience. Um, yeah. But what you create as a result of it is is uh, a gift to all of us. So thank you very much. Mm -hmm. um, 
How has COVID affected you? Um, I kind of feel mm, a little selfish saying this, but I, um, you know, outside of being saddened by the people that have lost loved ones due to COVID or lost jobs or have, you know, experienced things uh, negatively, I have somewhat taken the space to be with my family, my children, and and focus more on my work. I'm not really that affected that I can tell yet by COVID. It's just given me that time um, to be with myself, be with my family, um, outside of you know things getting to me uh, slower than usual. Um, <laughs> a framing company that I worked with. Um, They went out of business and I'm just getting things a little bit slower. I am not sure at this moment what impact COVID has had on me or will have on my work in the future. It's going to be interesting to see down the road looking forward, you know, one, two, three, four, five years, how this period is reflected in (laughs) in art. Tell us about your workspace. What does that look and feel like? (laughs) It does not look and feel good. Well, it feels good to me. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't look good right now. I am in, so I was in Texas um, temporarily. That's where I am right now. But I will be moving back to Maryland or going back to Maryland. I I shouldn't say moving. I will be going back to Maryland um, in two months. So everything is all over the place. And right now there are tubes of paint everywhere. (laughs) I have about six pieces laid out. Um, I'm working on six different pieces at one time. I jump from piece to piece. And so it's pretty disorganized and a little messy right now. (laughs) So it's not (laughs) gonna give you a good visual. (laughs) And I'm, I'm curious when you say you jump from piece to piece, what inspires that? Sometimes it's just the amount of time one piece takes me. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm doing a repetitive pattern, um, that takes forever. And so, you know, I'll want to step away from that for a moment and go on to something else. Um, other times it's that I am waiting for the size, which is the adhesive for the gold leaf. I'm waiting for that to set so that I can add the gold leaf. So I'll jump to another one during that time while I'm waiting. Or I'm not really 100% sure. I'm just pulled from one piece to another. Um, And and I do that. It's hard for me to just work on one piece for whatever reason, outside of the reasons that I know, such as the, the, the drying time and all of those things. I'm not really sure what pulls me to to work on all of them at one time. So I'm just going to ask a conceptual question. What do you feel is the purpose of art? Hmm. I I guess I will quote, or like Nina Simone says, the role of the artist is to reflect the times. I feel that art, writing, paintings, photographs, those are all the things that we look back to to understand our past or to to put everything together. So I do feel I agree with her that that's the purpose of art in all forms, 
to reflect the times uh, and, and tell the truth and um, be a part of the way that history can be told. Art will save us and it teaches us. I'm sure it teaches your children. I mean, they must be curious about what mom is doing. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) My daughter, um, she told me that she can't be too famous. I can't put her in too many museums. She can only sit for me one to two more times, and that's it for her. (laughs) (laughs) How old is she? She's nine. Well, that's cute. So much. She's she teaches me so much. I, I say that we often think that we're here to guide our children, and we are, but they, they really do guide us as well. Yep, yep. They make us think. They make us think. They're innocence. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, what, do you feel your, um, what do you feel your definition is of an artist? I guess to piggyback off of what I just said, I would say artists are historians in their own way, but a definition of an artist... I feel that it's someone who has found a creative way to unpack all of those thoughts and ideas and feelings and experiences that are trapped in our minds. We've just found a way to express that in a creative way. Thank goodness. (laughs) (laughs) So this has been a great chat. I, um, I have to admit that I... I do have a tear drying on my cheek. Um, Yeah. Um, So what do you feel is your role as an artist? I I have to say that I feel that I think more of my role as a mother um, and that informs my work, I think. But I do know that or think that everything that we see that we're exposed to as I said before, it makes us who we are. And so as an artist, I believe that I play, that we play a role in that. Um, I don't know that, I I know that for sure, I've not always known that, but I know it now. Um, And so I think that my role as an artist is to make sure I'm saying something important or meaningful through my work, I know that if someone sees it, if only for one to two minutes, my work has that one to two minutes to say something important to them that they'll carry along with them and it will make up who they are or become a part of who they become. And so I think that I'd say that is what I feel that my role is as an artist. Well, your work is beautiful. I appreciate it very much. And it's been a delight speaking with you. And uh, I look forward to watching your practice change, develop, you know, grow. So thank you so much for your time today, Tony. Thank you for having me. Definitely my pleasure. Thank you for listening to Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. For additional content, please visit CerebralWomen.com and be sure to follow Cerebral Women on Instagram.